Romans chapter 6, verse 3. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Being baptized into Christ is not the same as water baptism. Water baptism is our declaration that the baptism in Christ has already occurred. Water baptism is a picture of a death and burial. That's when we get dunked underwater. And then a resurrection where we're raised in newness of life. That's when we come out of the water. And when a person is immersed, which is what baptism means, then they are surrounded or engulfed into whatever they're being baptized in. And we were baptized into Christ. Galatians 3.27, For as many as you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. And John 1.12, But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Those who really receive Jesus in a way that is legit, I believe, I open up my life, and God does this work where all of a sudden I'm experiencing the power of God in my life. I'm experiencing the cleansing of God, the conviction of God. And what has happened is now God is connected to you by the Holy Spirit, and that gives us the right to become children of God. It's not our right. It's what God has given us. He gave us that right to be a child of God. Those who learn to obey the Spirit, when they come to faith in Jesus, receiving Him and believing in His name, they're immersed into Him. We're enveloped by God. Problem is, it's weird, and it is full of unknowns, not to mention many false teachers who lead people astray, warned of by Jesus, Paul, Peter, Jude, etc. And those Bible teachers who neglect the whole counsel of God, rather they skim the surface of Scripture, they're ripping off their people by teaching them nothing but fluff, what they want to hear, or teaching them things to control them. So for the person who is all in with Jesus, they have experienced this born from above thing, their life is changed, they're hearing from God, they're hungry for truth. The question is, are you ready to walk down that new path? My new life is in Christ now. I've been crucified with Christ, meaning I have experienced that death of my old self, which was buried and symbolically declared by water baptism. And there is a resurrection of a new life where I honor my king, and that's represented by coming up out of the water. And now that he lives in me, I can live as a new person, forgiven, filled with the Holy Spirit, and ready to do the will of my king who paid my unpayable debt. In Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, that's the mortal body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So when a person comes to the light of Jesus defecting from the darkness, that light now illuminates a new path. But depending on the person's trust in the Holy Spirit and in the Word, they can easily be steered off that path thinking it's too risky, it's too weird, I don't know if this is right, or whatever. Giving the devil an opportunity to steer you away from the Lord, it happens all the time. And one of the biggest things is I don't want to look bad in front of my friends. You know, I don't want to tell them, hey, I'm a Christian now, you know. And the enemy's just right there going, yeah, don't do that, man. They're going to think you're weird. Who cares what people think? We care about what our king thinks. So that new path that God puts us on, we need to be ready to act immediately and not doubt or delay. We don't want to miss opportunities to bless the Lord. We want to be ready. 2 Timothy 4.2, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. So part of our new path that we are walking down, that narrow, difficult road that Jesus talks about, is keeping the Lord in the forefront of our mind, his will. What is it? Things done in faith as he leads us are the things that we will be rewarded for in heaven at the judgment seat of Christ. 
In 2 Corinthians 5.10, it says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. So this is for the believers. This isn't the white throne judgment of Revelation 20, where people are judged for salvation. This is the judgment seat of Christ, or the Bema seat of Christ, where our lives are examined by Jesus and rewarded for those things that we have done in faith. And those things that we haven't done in faith, we lose them. They're burned. Hebrews 11.6, without faith it is impossible to please him, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. So the faith that we have now will be huge at the judgment seat, and those who want to please the Lord need to understand he's real, but for new believers it's not just a funny feeling, it's not just coincidence when you pray for something and the next thing you know it's answered. He rewards us who seek after him both in this life and in eternity. And initially, as we have this little bit of faith, that's just the beginning. Once a person begins to truly seek the Lord, the Lord will prove himself continually. And this allows our faith to increase as Jesus interacts with his followers through the Holy Spirit. And we start with getting up in the morning and reading our Bibles. And as a side note, I've been reading a one-year Bible for over 20 years. It's a Bible that every day you have a select reading, and at the end of the year, you've read through the whole Bible. So I've been doing that over 20 years, so I've read through the Bible over 20 times, which doesn't mean anything, but it's just a way of keeping me consistent and keeping me in the Word and reading all of the books in this small library we call the Bible. It keeps me familiar with those books, and I learn more about them, and it just refreshes me every day when I read it. And in the beginning, there was a whole lot of stuff that I did not understand. There was genealogies, there was the sacrificial system, technical parts of it. And I'm like, okay, I don't really want to learn about dividing up organs of an animal, you know, that kind of thing. But I keep reading anyway, because every book in the Bible is valuable. And there are commentaries on every book in the Bible as well. So when you come across a book in your daily reading, you're like, what does that mean? Grab a commentary and look it up. Spend some time reading it, and then you learn a little bit. The next year you're going through it again, and I always mark my Bible up, and there it is. Oh yeah, I forgot this means that. And that's how you continue to learn and grow in the Word. And why is it so important that we read and learn the Scriptures? There's several reasons. First, we're commanded to, 2 Timothy 2.15, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the Word of Truth. That's the Scriptures. In order to handle the word of truth, we need to learn it so we don't get led away by wacky Bible teachers. In Jude 1.3, there's only one chapter in Jude, it says in verse 3, Beloved, although I was very eager to write to you about our common salvation, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. For certain people have crept in unnoticed who long ago were designated for this condemnation, ungodly people who pervert the grace of our God into sensuality and deny our only Master and Lord Jesus Christ. And that's one passage out of many that deal with people coming in and distorting the Word of God for whatever reason. So not falling victim to false teachers, which leads us astray from Jesus, is critical. And many have fallen victim to these teachers. Many of them would much rather let someone else teach them how to think than venture off on that path and pursue Jesus by themselves because it's a lonely path. It's narrow. It's difficult. And that's not appealing to a lot of people. Another reason we need to learn the scriptures is to protect ourselves as we walk down this new path. We need protection because the enemy is all over us. And we use the word of God to advance in this life, not to retreat and hide behind it. We develop our confidence in God's word and we sort through all these supposed controversies and all that. We nail that down. And then we learn, I can trust the word. 
And I don't know everything, but I can trust what I do know. And it becomes our weapon against the powers of darkness that rule this world. In Ephesians 6.17, it says, Take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. We use the Word of God as a weapon against the dark powers of this world. And by doing this, we fight off the evil in this life that affects not only ourselves, but also those around us. So some of you, like me, came to Christ after growing up, and in our past, we committed things that are condemned in Scripture. And then we read verses like Ephesians 5.18, Do not get drunk with wine, for that's debauchery, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. We kind of go, okay, yeah, guilty of that one. And we recall times we violated this. And while some may hold on to these memories as the good old days, you think about the stupid things you did during those times when you were all lit up. And yes, there were good times and partying was fun and everyone had a good time and all that. But compare all of that to perfect holiness in the presence of God. They don't go together. Also, it gives us a path to forgiveness so that we can know that we are genuinely forgiven and being reconciled to Him when that conviction comes upon us. When we suddenly open our eyes and realize, all that stuff I thought was fun was totally offensive to God, and I am here to glorify God, not offend Him. And realistically, this relationship with God is the most important thing in our lives because it's the thing that's going to take us through eternity when we make the jump. Learning the Word gives us confidence in our relationship with God. And Listen to the three-part series on giving that I did and how I found confidence in an area of my walk with the Lord that was contrary to many preachers' teaching on the subject of giving. And some of these teachers I respect, but it was not settled in my heart. And I'm like, I don't get this. I don't like this. It doesn't feel right. And many people attending churches, they don't really understand what their pastors are teaching fully. They get the concepts and stuff. It's like, okay, but they don't question it. And one of the things that I learned from my pastor was he always said, you need to check out what I'm teaching. Learn it for yourself. Understand what the scriptures say and where you land on this issue. Don't just take my word for it. Dig into the scriptures and learn. And I did. And I'm still doing that. So if you find an issue that we're kind of confused on, We hammer it out by studying the scriptures, by praying about, Lord, what is the truth here? And when we come to that place where we get it, then we can rest comfortably in our faith going, I feel good about this. The Apostle Paul, in his writing to the believers in Rome, he addresses this issue where people were divided over many things that were causing problems in the family of God. One person was saying, this is what we do. Another person was saying, no, this is what we do. And these were non-essential doctrines. And so there is room in the body of Christ for different opinions. And he says in Romans 14, verse 5, each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. Well, how do we get there? How do we become fully convinced that the issues that I'm going with is going to keep me on that right path and I can have peace? You read the Word, you study the issue, you pray till the Lord reveals your answer, and it may be different from another person's view, including your pastor, on these non-essential doctrines. And again, there's room for that, and it's okay. God created diversity, and it's a thing of great beauty, but in the church, for some reason, it's considered evil by many. So take that new path serious, along with your walk with Jesus. Learn the scriptures, be rightly convinced in your own mind, and be blessed. Thank you.